Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 136 of the Pico Serenity Podcast. As always, I am one of your hosts, Emilson, and joining me, we have my co-host, Anomaly. Hello. And this week, we are going to be taking a look back at the 9.1 patch cycle. So 9.1, 9.1.5, that is Sanctum of Domination, um, the second season of the Mythic Plus, and when they finally pulled the ripcord. Nine one, which is like, just as a preview, I was doing, this thing has more notes in it than I think I did for the other two, that I'll end up doing for last week I did or next week's write-up, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like so. the the looking back at, at 9.2 is actually be more about like the crazy tuning of Sepulchre than anything yeah. else. This is exactly. like, this is... All the all the shit we talked about 9.0 last week. This is where they do something about it. Yeah, finally, yeah. Um, but before we get into that, Anam, how was your raid week? Uh uneventful, which I think is the favorite kind of raid week that we have. Yeah, so I think we did our, we sold our, I guess four mounts again. Um, a, a stark contrast, I'll say, to last week. So last week we had our like two hours of wipes to uh to the jailer and it, it ended up being real rough but no this week was um easy i think we only we only had a silver so we didn't have any yeah so we we basically had a, a quick raid week of just a couple of wipes to sylvanas um actually i think only one let me double check let me look up logs real quick because i think we only had one and i think it's because we didn't turn all the affixes on so yeah so <laughs> we had quote unquote one wipe, which is basically us forgetting to turn on all the affixes um, after the instant soft reset on us. And then okay, yeah. one of our buyers wasn't ready. So we cleared Terragu, Kalthazad, went, then did Sepulchre, and then went back. And so when we came back, the instance and soft reset, and we didn't right. realize we had to turn everything back on. So yeah, I so mean, easy raid it, week. You did it with all the powers. We were planning yeah. to do, we're doing Sylvanas tonight with a buyer. Um, we were planning to only do one, only do the like, you know, it's got interrupts on first. Yeah. We um, did it with all just because, so the only, the only difficult one I think for us is always the soaks. So like the, the dispels yeah. Yeah. and we had, we had wiped enough when that was a mandatory one um, okay. that we have like the timing mm-hmm. down in terms of like when it does. And then, so then it's just, you know, having the other mo- two are, are, are like up pure really upside. Yeah. yeah. And like barrier is just huge to have anyway. So it's like, just turn them all on anyway. So yeah, we yeah. did every fight this week with all of it on. Yeah. We don't have that hard one experience with the soaks on Sylvanas. So I, yeah. I think we're leaving that one off. Gotcha. Yeah. But other than that, it was a it was an easy raid week. It was, you know, we were done. We were done in two hours, I think. Killed nice. Sylvanas at like 945. We start raid at eight. So it was a it was an easy hour 45, two hours worth of worth of clears. So um yeah, it was like second to last one. And then we have we were, I was saying before, we have our last raid week coming up this week and we have four more buyers, so um, be pretty good in the gold department going into Dragonflight, which is, I think, a nice, nice position to be in. So nice. Yeah. Uh, in contrast, uh, oh, did no. you know that they had uh, emergency maintenance Friday night? I did. Yeah, because I was I was AFK leveling some alts, and they. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, uh, that's oh then oh guys because that's that was in the middle of, yeah because that was at like what eight or nine o'clock. That was Eastern in the middle of our raid. Oh no! So oh. we, um, we already were like kind of playing from behind because we 
like we've had a lot of people that are just out because it's end of expansion. They're getting their vacation time in now, that kind of thing. Plus Thanksgiving coming up, all of that mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, so we're like, you know, 21, 22 people available for raid on Friday. Uh, one of our healers oversleeps their alarm. So now we're like trying to figure things out. Uh, so we get to Anduin and we have like one of the other teams, uh, evoker alts come in for Anduin, nice. which is how, you know, it's going great. Yeah. Um, and then the maintenance, like, and then the maintenance happens. Um, and, uh, just like kicks us off for 30 minutes. Uh, and then we get back in all the trashes respawns. We can't tell if we need to go out and soft reset the instance or not. Cause we can't reach Bolvar without clearing all the trash. Oh no. Cause Bolvar's reset to his initial position. Some yeah. people end up in an instance with vigilant guardians still up somehow. Nice. Okay. So we took we took the safe route and we went to Sanctum. We cleared um I think we did uh Teragru Guardian and uh KT. Mm-hmm. Just to like burn 30 minutes to have the Sepulchre instance soft reset. Then we went back, everything was fine. We had to clear the trash again, but it was okay. Uh and then just by the end of the night, people are just making silly mistakes on Rigalon and we didn't kill Rigalon. So, oh, jeez. Uh, it wasn't like we spent that long on it, but you, because, like, at that point in the night, we've lost, like, you know, it was an, a, hour, an hour of raid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just recovering from the downtime. So, we're going in tonight, uh, killing Rigalon, Jailer, and Sylvanas. Nice. Uh, and, yeah, it's, uh, that was an adventure. <laughs> How did, did it, so this week they added the whole you could have all four affixes up. Did you do any bosses with all four? Yes, or? Uh, nice. we did um, Teragru and Guardian with all four. Uh, we turned some off on Kel'Thuzad, and mm-hmm. then we did Vigilant Guardian with all four. We didn't even do the first barrier thing on Vigilant Guardian. Like We've gotten basically to that point before. But yeah. it's been like borderline, so we kind of like stop and let it do the thing. Because if you push during the shield, like who knows what happens? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, do not want to mess around with that. But we just like entirely beat it and just like single target the boss down. It's crazy. Um, Anduin, I don't remember how many we had on Anduin. I think we only did one on Anduin. Uh, mm-hmm. We turned on more on Lords, and then we turned on more on Rigalon. Um, Frankly, we don't really get a lot from like moats on Rigalon are actually kind of a pain without a priest. Yeah, yeah. Like if yeah, you we, have, have a, we have two, we have two. So <laughs> yeah, if you don't have a priest life gripping the moats onto your third core soak on Rigalon, mm-hmm. you just don't get hardly anything from it. You get like 10, 12 moats. Um, yeah. Because nobody else can hit it. They're all, you know, on the boss, on the core that they're supposed to be soaking. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah we got lucky. We got like, we have lucky that we have like typically two or three priests in our raid. So, yeah, to like the, for Rygon, it's always under that third uh, soak for us. And then, yeah, for, um, oh, for Lords, we got a, we are like a 40 stack going into the first AoE phase. Oh, yeah. With barrier. And I think we got the bosses to like 30. 
like five thirty six percent after like God. the first AOE phase. Oh so it's like, and then of course like our tanks are they're so used to the old movement. So like somebody screwed up a sleeps puddle or like they're just like inching the bosses around yeah. the room. And I'm no, like, you literally we, can run to the other side of the room and we will be yeah. fine. Like we so much room. we uh, in season four we switched to doing like massive moves. Like every single yeah. mechanic that goes like every single phase that happens we at minimum move like there's the different sections in the room we at yeah. minimum move one section at minimum yeah. like if there's a bad sleepy bait fuck it three like yeah. let's go <laughs> yeah uh need to get our tanks on that um mentality it's just there's so much space like we reached the second um swarm phase and yeah. the boss has died like 10 seconds into it it's yeah. yeah, it's a I love I, season. This is I hope, I hope they do this again. Yes, like I I, I think regard like regardless of how you feel about the affixes, and I, I guess we'll talk about this eventually, maybe. But this is a quick thing. I think this is a cool end of expansion thing. Yes, right. That lasted a little bit longer than than like the typical like pre patches typically like this, which is like three or four weeks versus, you know, we had a couple months of this. So. I think my main gripe still is primarily the affixes being just like, like progressing the affixes not being fun. Mm-hmm. Nobody really yeah. had a good time like progressing this one additional bullshit affix. Um, and two, they should have just undertuned it from the start. Like it's undertuned right now. Yeah. It is undertuned right now. They should have just undertuned it from the start. Like yeah. it's, it's the end of the expansion. People were just coming off a grueling progression tier that many people didn't even finish progressing until the last week of season three. Right. If they even finished progressing it, like a lot of guilds did not get CE. Yeah. So you have people coming off this like really grueling progression tier, going right into season four. And like, uh, it, it should have been it sh- like right now it's about 30% easier than it was before mm-hmm. pre-patch. Uh, it should have been 30% easier from the start. Like it yeah. should, they should have just undertuned it by thirty percent, and like that's that's not like an oh it's too hard. It's just like I didn't really want to deal with another. Yeah, I like, don't want to progress the, again. Yeah. The, the progression of this season was not fun. It wasn't fun progressing half of or like not even half, like progressing like eight out of ten in three different raids, and then going back and progressing the last bit of each raid, like that. That was not fun coming off of poker like. People wanted yeah. chill farm. We did not get chill farm until pre-patch. So like in pre-patch, everybody's been like, oh yeah, this is great. Like this yeah. is what this is what they wanted, at least in, in my guild. This is what people wanted out of season four. This like pre-patch, like, uh yeah, we can just go in and do silly things with these bosses, go for like sub-minute kills, like mm-hmm. meme um uh, moat shenanigans, like let people pad, you know, yeah, that type stuff. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not reprogressing bosses with the interrupts and soaks. Yeah, I would have been. I would have been fine if they kept. Like, I'm. I think I was fine with the difficulty. I agree. Slightly easier would have been nice. I think the thing is, number one, some of the affixes unfun, and number two, the yeah. rotation of affixes. Yeah, it was just annoying. It was yeah. like re- every three weeks relearning the fights. I think it was yeah. sort of annoying. So if they if they kept, you know, adjusted affixes to be less sort of wipey and a little bit easier to deal with and then also just keep it consistent from the start i think that yeah just makes it i think it'll just a little bit better for next yeah time. i mean like one final note and we'll, we'll move on because we got a lot of stuff to talk about 
Um, I do think that this season kind of illustrates the difference between affixes in raids and in keys. Where like yeah. in keys, I mean, I know Shadowlands Dungeons are maybe an exception to this, but a lot of bosses and trash packs just don't have that many mechanics. So you have yeah. the affixes that add mechanics in. Um, especially with Sepulchre. Like Sepulchre was clearly like a step above in this regard, but like raid bosses have just mechanics, mechanics, mechanics off mythic. Like there's no space on some of these bosses to fit a affix that may spawn at a bad time. You know, you think mm -hmm. about the initial issues with the jailer and spark, creation spark, where like you literally had to instant dispel it or people died. Right. Right. Cause the boss is just wall to wall mechanics. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's less true in Sanctum, which I think is why Sanctum was actually the easiest raid of uh, Season 4. Yeah. Um, there's more dead space for you to fill with these affixes. Um, Castle Nathria, like, varied from boss to boss. Like, the Nathrias did not have a ton of dead space. Um, but then, uh, you know, Sludge Fist has a bunch. So it, it varied. But Sepulchre had none for the whole instance. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, agreed, agreed. So, yeah, well, uh, I think we'll talk a little bit more about this uh, next week as we get into that part of the retrospective for sure. Yeah. So, yep. um, so cool. So I think maybe we jump into a little bit of a week in review. Yep. Um, before we talk about the nine dot one and nine dot one dot five patches, so um, probably go through this fairly quickly. Um, a couple of big stories, and then um, kind of move to that piece. So. First up, uh, phase two of Dragonfly pre-patch launched uh, this week. So you can now make your evokers. You can do all the amazingly interactive pre-patch event stuff. You can do the new dungeon, or not the new dungeon, but the, the dungeon quest for, for Dragonflight. So You can do the um, new, new dungeon. So, yeah, Ultima? the old, old one. Yeah, that's what I said. But, well, it's not. Oh. It's like the same... I guess it's kind of the same dungeon, but there's new bosses. It's, and it's like not the same dungeon. It's okay, not fair the enough, same fair as Ultimon. Fair. So the new dungeon, Ultimon. Um and yeah, it's uh it's interesting. Um I think the they've the pre-patch this time is just, just I think the same as it has been the last couple of weeks. There's like events going on in specific zones. You go to the event, hang out for a couple minutes, big thing spawns, you kill it, and you get some stuff. There's currency yeah. that drops for catch-up gear. Um I don't know about you, but I've been a huge fan of the whole join a group that's farming mobs there and just AFK in the air, and you gain about a level every 30 to 45 minutes. Uh, so if you need to level an alt from 50 to 60, that's the best way to do it right now. Um, you can participate if you want, of course. But didn't um, So they did, uh, it was actually a lot faster than that prior to the emergency maintenance Friday. Yes, yeah, yes. The, the Friday hot fixed it. it. I guess, yeah, sorry. I have, luckily, I got all the alts that I cared about done. I think they're yeah. like... Thursday, I think I did one after raid on Thursday, and that was it. So for my last uh, one, so but yeah. There is one important thing from the um, event that you should try and go get. It takes like thirty seconds to get if you're already level sixty, and that is the reagent bag. You need to get oh, yeah. five of the random green item that gets dropped by the event mobs. You don't have to actually complete any of the events. You don't have to do the boss. You don't have to do very much of anything. Loot like five, six mobs. It's like an 80% drop rate, right? Mm -hmm. um, you need five of them. Then go to the vendor in Orgrimmar or Stormwind and buy your 20 slot reagent bag. Um, that is like the one thing that I think is actually like relevant yeah. for if you're just like playing a max level character and don't care about leveling alts, do that. 
if you do care about leveling alts, uh, they're still actually really good XP. They're just not quite as insane as they were last uh, Friday. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and there also is a heirloom trinket. Um, basically, each of the there's four elements um, that can spawn. They I think they they're on a four three or four hour timer. They adjust um, in each of the areas. But there's four elements, and each boss um, of that element has a chance to drop an item. You need one item from each boss, and you can combine it into an heirloom trinket that does it's like primary stat plus has like a, a damage proc. Yeah. Um, so if you care about heirlooms, grab that. Uh, Speaking of evokers, did you all do evokers in main raid this week? Uh, no, because although so funnily enough, we only have one person in the raid going evoker, and he didn't have time to. Like, I guess that's fair rating to get say. any sort of like leveling done. Um, yeah. I think he actually had leveled it, but like he was like, it's in whatever leveling like, gear that I came up. And, yeah, yeah. And since yeah. we're only doing a mount run, he's like, I just don't. He's like, I'll just. You know, yeah. get a gear and yeah. or something this week. We so. we uh we had four evokers in for some of the bosses. It was like Anduin, Jailer, Sylvanas. We were like, no evokers, mains only. <laughs> yeah. But then the others, uh, we had some evokers in. But nice. we also again raid right on Friday, so people had Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to gear up, and our evokers were like two eighty to two ninety. So oh, that's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So cool. Um, I will say too, the currency that drops for like catch up gear, you get a ton of it. So like, I think I've gotten enough to buy two of my alts, full two fifty two or whatever the the gear is. Yeah. So um, it's been it's been really actually nice from that. So yeah. Um, so cool. That's basically pre patch. I mean, it's it's not a ton new. It's just the events. So um, so cool. So then the other thing that Blizzard dropped this week was they are doing um some class tuning there adding some soft caps to certain AOE abilities. So while it's not a hard cap, basically it's, you know, as certain abilities do damage beyond five targets, that damage is then reduced. Um, so the monks were hit by this. So resonant fists, which is the sort of the class tree middle yeah. one right before capstone. Um, the Sorry, the windwalker capstone. <laughs> the one basically. that might as well be capstone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that one received the whole reduced damage after five targets, um, thing. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's a couple other ones like Druids got hit with it with some of their bleeds and Belrush yeah. for Havoc got hit. So a couple of classes got this sort of, you know, beyond five target, uh, reduced damage, you know, it's, um, uh, so. so you've. If you've been around like some of the brewmaster stuff, you've probably seen people linking like screenshots of them being top DPS in Mythic Plus on beta. Mm -hmm. And it's because of Resonant Fists being uncapped effectively. Like Brewmaster does a lot of damage, but also mm -hmm. Resonant Fists being uncapped kind of put them above and beyond. Where if you were able to pull two or three packs together, then you know, your resonant fists just goes crazy. Um so that getting a soft cap is not surprising. Um, it's gotcha. better than the alternative of nerfing some of our damage that would impact more uh, single target, low target count scenarios and hurt us in raid or just like casual keys where you're only pulling like one pack at a time. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So not, I mean, I think a couple of people are slightly upset about it, but I think at the end of the day, it's a generally a, a fine change in terms of damage balance in, in AOE situation. So um other than that, I don't think there was any other class tuning to monks specifically um over the past week or so. So 
Um, so cool. So then the next up item is there was a bunch of interviews done. So um, like if you go out there and look, you know, Ian's been interviewed, Morgan Day has been interviewed, um, Jeremy Fiesel and some other folks from the team. So there's it's sort of interview time um, where different sort of content creators or publications are doing interviews with a lot of the different dev leads. So um, I'd say go out and sort of read all of them. My personal opinion is the Morgan Day and Max interview are, is very good. Um, just yeah. in terms of, I think Morgan is a very good person to give answers <laughs> in that he seems to be slightly more excited about answering things um, than some of the other folks um, and, and feels like he's giving slightly more personal answers, um, which I, I think is is good. So um, the Morgan interview with Max is really good. Um, and then, of course, I think Ian's interview, Ian's always an interesting interviewer, but um, he just has some really good points um, from some of his stuff. So I think taking, we'll start with the Morgan interview first um, with Max. They talked about a bunch of different stuff. I think one of the things I did want to highlight is Max does ask him about the creation catalyst and the fact that it isn't like a day one thing or an earlier than six week thing. Um, and sort of Max's question comes from the point of view of a Mythic Pluser or a PvP or where it's their potentially only source of tier. And Morgan's answer, which I Max thought was very good, and I also, when I heard it, hadn't thought of this, is Morgan's answer was essentially that, like, from a competition perspective, if you're a raider, your competition starts or is sort of like the first part of any patch cycle or, or season, right? Like, you're trying to beat those bosses as soon as possible, so it makes sense that the boss you kill drop the tier you need. For Mythic Plus and PvP, their main competition sort of is backloaded, meaning, like, they don't start pushing the highest keys or pushing the higher rating, until the end of a season. So the fact that the creation catalyst is delayed for them generally has less of an impact of their overall finishing or their overall competition, right? Because it's so far backloaded, um, which I thought was an interesting take in terms of like why it isn't sooner specifically for those two groups. Um, I think there's still debate of if six weeks makes sense. I think, Emelson, you're on the side of that. That seems like a little too long to um, yeah. bring it in. But um, yeah. But it's interesting that it's not a huge like from I, I agree now that it's not a huge disadvantage for Mythic Plusers or PvPers. Yeah, the kind of, there's kind of a wrinkle in the Mythic Plus angle where like you still really really benefit as a Mythic Plus player from doing Mythic Raid because of right. gearing. It's going to give you much better access to gear to be able to push higher key levels. Mm -hmm. That may be less true in Dragonflight with the increased gear level that you can get from keys. Um, so we're going to have to like see, uh, but currently at least that is very true. We're like, um, the highest key pushers are also all mythic raiders because of the gear acquisition from raids. Hmm. Um, especially stuff like unique items that you cannot replace from mythic plus. Uh, so yeah. 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 There PV is. Yeah. Oh, PVP though, with the change to having PVP eye levels in 9.0.5. Or was it 9.1? Actually, we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. But yeah. uh, with that change, uh, PvP gear is just better in PvP than PvE gear. So, uh, you know, when they get their tier set, when the catalyst opens, or before if they get lucky from the vault, then, you know, they win. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a, it's a, it was an interesting answer to that. There was also, um, he talked a little bit about the seasonal affixes. Um that uh that basically the idea now with the fact that they're sort of previously to this um expansion you know the the dungeons were set at the start so you did the same dungeons over and over again season to season there wasn't sort of a change in that um and so the affixes were meant to be not only 
new and exciting, but also would change the way you approach a dungeon, right? So right. they had to be both. They had to, they they couldn't just be like a buff or something you dealt with. It had to be also something that was route changing or like interaction changing. And so yeah. what they're what they said about thundering specifically is that you can technically ignore thundering. Like when thundering goes out, you can just have all five players stand on top of each other. And it just clears immediately. And you never get the issue with stunning, extra damage, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, and the reason they want to do that is that it, it's sort of with the dungeons, the dungeons now being the focus of them changing season over season, you have to sort of learn the new dungeons, learn the new routes, and your mastery then becomes knowing the dungeon versus knowing how to interact with the affix. Because right. everything right. changes season to season. So um, I guess that'll potentially we'll see some more interesting things uh, around like the affixes being less about like, massive changes the way you approach doing a dungeon and more about like things that you sort of just have to interact with or can potentially ignore um right as you do things so yeah um ignoring of course and morgan makes the case too like if you do that whole thundering ignoring thing it makes doing the dungeon generally harder because you do less yeah. damage you do less healing but it means you don't have to deal with that affect so right you know you know things like that so um yeah i don't know if there's anything else from your perspective out of the morgan interview um um I thought it was a fairly good interview overall. Uh, definitely go watch it. The major things I think you already touched on, mm-hmm. right? Like those are the two big things. Um, Max did ask about like what kind of stuff we're going to see in 9.1. And Morgan's answer is basically, I can't talk about that yet. And, you know, that's fair. Yeah. Um, but that remains to be seen, I guess. But yeah, they, they've been on an interview blitz this week. There's actually one that got posted to Polygon last night. Uh, Wowhead has notes up from it um, mm-hmm. that's more on the like world content side, which has some stuff in it that I think is very interesting and has me a little bit hopeful for like future world content like design direction. Yeah. But I'm not going to lie. All of my time on beta pretty much has been like raid testing or dungeon testing, not, <laughs> not world content. I did Azure Span. Um, when when alpha opens and I have not done any of the other zones. Yeah, I've done I've done the the starter starting to get to dragon riding like two or three times just to make sure I'm good at that. But like beyond that, I've not progressed really yeah. further. So I guess I've done the intro to the waking span or whatever it's called. Waking yeah. waking shore. That's it. Waking shore. Yeah, I think the only the only other part of these interviews, so the Ian interview, they do ask a question about like if they're changing the way Hall of Fame functions. With the fact that you can do cross uh, cross faction raids now, and the answer is no, and the answer is no. But as a part of that answer, he, Ian also says it's not if he's like we will probably make a change once cross faction guilds are in, and it was a basically of when it's not a question of if they're coming, it's just when. Right. Yeah. So Which it seems good. like cross faction guilds are coming. I oh, it can be a gnome again. It's, it's, I'm so it's, excited. I mean, you could come right on the weekend to be a gnome with us. That's true. I could. I could. I could. Tony's gonna kill me for suggesting that. But, you know. <laughs> um, <It's true. laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, we we have it cross faction, but we're not also not in Hall of Fame running, right? Like we could get Alliance Hall of Fame if we wanted, um, yeah. but we couldn't get Horn, Horn Hall of Fame without like massively, massively outperforming to the tune of like three hundred world ranks, right? Yeah. yeah, we'd have to do so much better than we did in Sepulcher, and we already did good in Sepulcher, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so um, I thought that was just interesting in that. Yeah, it seems like cross faction guilds are are going to be sooner rather than later. So that'll be that'll be fun. So, um, 
So cool. But yeah, check out all those interviews. They're actually all, there's some probably instant, interesting, more interesting tidbits we're missing, but I think those are like the major, the major hits. Um, so a couple of quick hit stories here at the end, and then we'll get into sort of the retrospective side. So um, real quick, MOP and one wad world boss mounts drops have been greatly increased, primarily due to the fact that for about 12 hours, if you were an evoker and you killed these mount dropping bosses like Shah of Anger, Nalek, um, some of the other ones that drop mounts, um, you automatically got the mount because that was the only item on the loot table that could drop for you. Um, so yeah, the evoker loot tables for those world bosses only contain the mounts. So if you're an evoker and you killed it, you got the mount as a hundred percent drop rate. Well, it wasn't a hundred percent. It was like, if you got loot, you got the oh, mount. Yeah, sure. yeah, so exactly. like what the, the strat people in my guild are doing this, what the, oh. what the strat was, was you would go and you would farm up lesser coins and okay. you, you don't need that many of them, right? But you That's would true. go and you would kill it, and you can bonus roll it over and over again, as far as I know. Like you That's just, true. So you would kill it, you would bonus roll it. If you didn't get it, you wait for the next spawn, you bonus roll it again until you get the mount. And um, it doesn't take that many tries to get the mount using that technique if you're guaranteed to get the mount once you get loot. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. so basically, they fixed that. And then they were like, well, you know, these mounts being like a quarter of a percent drop rate or whatever. Maybe maybe it's been long enough, <laughs> and they they increased it. I don't know. Greatly increased from like, you know, nearly zero percent means a lot of things. I don't know if they actually gave us the percent, but it's significantly higher. A lot of people in my guild have gotten them the normal way in gotcha. the days since the hotfix. Nice, nice. Nice, yeah. So um, if you like those mounts and don't have them yet, go and farm, you know, Shavanger, all those guys. I think they, they're on like a 15-minute respawn timer. So yeah, just fly to the zone. It'll eventually spawn quickly and, and you can pick it up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that happened. Um, next up was um, uh, Blizzard and Netties uh, are suspending services in China. So if you don't know about the relationship of producing or publishing a game in China, you have to have a Chinese publisher for your game that will run your game for you, and then you can sell it to individuals in China. Um, Blizzard has been partnered with NetEase since like 2008. Like, yeah, for year, like for years and years and years. Yep. Um, and uh, and yeah, they're ending their partnership. Um, they 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 are ending it, and the final day of service of you know WoW, not just WoW, but it's WoW, it's Overwatch Two, it's Hearthstone. Hearthstone yeah, um, it's everything but Diablo Immortal, actually. <laughs> um it's actually funny. really funny i saw people commenting like ah this is this is like their comeuppance for all the shit with diablo immortal it's like they get to keep that one yeah that yeah. one's fine yeah so um so yeah so all that ends the end of january january 23rd so um so yeah so they couldn't just i guess the two companies couldn't come to a a, a licensing agreement both sides have said they're trying to work together but um sort of fallen through there's some interesting tidbits of like some industry folks that have sort of come out and said like, you know, Blizzard is kind of asking for a lot more either money or a lot more upfront stuff. Other people have said that like with Microsoft, with the Microsoft merger looming, NetEase wanted some breaks because Microsoft's such a, a large company. So they wanted some other, you know, guarantees of like maybe getting some of the Microsoft library and, and sort of pulling that into China. So right. um, an interesting thing, it just, I will say that Funnily enough, uh, some of the people have commented that like China has sort of suspended. They they kind of have cracking been been cracking down on gaming in general, and I don't think they've added a new Western game to like to the ability to be sold in the company since like PUBG. 
Um, like Diablo Immortal is an interesting one because it was essentially a co-developed game. So technically it was right. developed by a Chinese company. Um, but um, but yeah, they haven't, I think it's been a, a couple of years since they've let a Western game into China. So people are saying it might be a while till Blizzard comes back. Um, yeah, it's a little bit like, so WoW Classic in China is really big. Really, yeah. really big. Um, yeah, the other thing too is I, I, I read an article, I didn't realize this at the time, but Wrath of the Lich King actually came out like months later in China yes. because of all the changes they had to make to the game to support it. So that's why it's such a big deal because China got Wrath for like such a short amount of time in like the overall Interesting. Blizzard okay. like life cycle that like people revere like Wrath as like the expansion that sort of they everybody wanted to play because it was so big outside of China and they didn't get it to like like years Shortly later before Cataclysm. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. yeah. So um so cool. Um, so yes, that sucks for sort of the, the Chinese market, but hopefully they figure something out. We'll see. Um, so a couple of quick, just more, I guess, really quick stories. Um, they Blizzard did do a tuning pass on gems and enchants. They have been nerfed. So secondary stats have been nerfed on those. Gem Secondary stats on gems are down about 62%. Um, and then secondary stats on... Um, on ring enchants um, are down a similar amount, um, about 60-ish percent. Um, so some more tuning from a professions perspective coming in. Um, gems and enchants seemingly a little bit less impactful um, right now. So yeah, we'll see how that sort of lands out. Um, and then finally, tomorrow, Monday, or if you're listening to this, uh, or at least this live, it's tomorrow. If you're listening to this, uh, Later, when it gets released. You've missed it. You've probably missed this, but um, on Monday, November 21st, um, Blizzard is testing uh, the launch. So they're bringing all the beta servers down and then bringing them back up to basically test the launch procedures. So, um, yeah, we'll, I guess if you want to test and sort of load test the servers, um, hop on and see if you can crash beta. Um, Hopefully that means, you know, the live launch is a little bit better. So, yeah. so cool. Um, all right. Well, let's get into, I guess, the the main topic for today, which is a little bit of a patch 9.1, 9.1.5 retrospective. Um and uh and go through some of the big things. So I think in terms of maybe we'll start with like the big new stuff that happened, right? And then we can talk 915 is like the changes. So maybe we quickly go through here's all the new stuff that came in with the patch, and then we'll talk about, you know all the, the ripcord sucks and they'll be the bulk of the conversation. So 9.1.5 was of course the chains of domination patch brought in sanctum and Corthia as sort of the new zone. Um, there was a, you know, so that was fun. I don't know. I mean, if we kind of talk about Corthia a little bit as sort of an outdoor zone, um, I hate like, to this day, Corthia is probably one of the worst pieces of outdoor content I've ever done. Uh, not <laughs> wait, honestly, worse than the mall. I would so and uh, yes, and my reason is is okay. not that it was more frustrating to do because and here's the reason is like the mall was frustrating to do, but you knew what you needed to do. You knew that you yeah. needed to get your dailies done. You knew that like you had you I got the eye that. was thing, things yeah. like that. Corthy was frustrating because it felt like they didn't explain half of the systems that were like. Yeah. enabled in Corthia, right? Corthia was like the maw. There was a lot of like, you knew what you needed to do. Figuring out how to do it most efficiently was like part of the game. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Corthia was just obtuse. 
not only like it wasn't that you knew what you needed to do and you just had to figure out how to do it efficiently. You didn't know what you need to do and also didn't know how to do it efficiently. So like there's a big gap between there's like spreadsheets and Google Docs and things going around in the early few weeks of like, here's all the different things that you could do to get your um, whatever research. Yeah, like your research items yeah. for the rep that was there. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was just obtuse. It was just the whole obtuse. the whole second area with like using broken portal keys to go into like the shadow realm or whatever you want to call it. Right. Like, did like, not okay. realize that was a thing until like the third week in. Cause I was like, try, I was like, I got into like my, I'm going to get every rare. Cause I, I want to just kill all the rares. I was like, okay. Right. I sat at this one spot right. for like literally like 45 minutes to an hour thing never spawned. And I started reading like wowhead comments. I was like, Oh, I'm like, what do they mean? Like use a broken portal key. Like what the hell is that? Like go to yeah. this cave. I'm like, what does this even mean? And so yeah. then I realized there was that an was actually zone. So like I, I, we had people week one that knew like, oh, there's these group keys that you can use and you can go here and you can kill this rare and it gives you a bunch of, of like rep and things. And it's like, okay, cool. We can do that. Yeah. Um, and, but then after that, I have like the single like personal keys. Where the hell do you use them? Like I know now, but. I only know of one spot, by the way, to use it. There, I don't there, know if that's the only, is there only one? There's others that can randomly spawn from killing rares in the world. There's like certain okay, areas you can kill that leave behind portals. But then there's that one in the cave that's always yeah. active and there's no indication. Yeah, no. So I think later I later it. in a hotfix, they added indication to that gotcha. cave so that you can find it more easily. But holy shit. Like that. And so the other thing is like the quests take you into that. They don't explain why you would go back. No. Yeah, no. They don't explain how you get back other than that you need a key. So like, you know, you need a portal key, but you don't know where the portal is because you don't actually go through that cave as part of the quest. Right. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it, it was just a mess. It was a mess. Yeah. Um, And it was like the, the whole Island area, like that you jump across, like getting across to there for the first couple of times, like, until they showed you of like the way you jump was awful. And then you finally got like the mount or like the flight point kind of that, that yeah. took you there that made it easier. But like that Grappling. area, like I hate it when like you're supposed to traverse around something and it's just densely populated with mobs or like I get like there are fortress like areas in WoW. I, I understand that. But like this was like something where it's like it dropped you off and there was mobs right next to the drop off point, like immediately right. in combat. You're like, yeah. Give me like some safe space to like get my bearings to like maybe I want to get a drink as I was on this flight path, right? Um so yeah, I mean I I ultimately really disliked Corthia. Um and it the other thing too and this is me just now nitpicking cuz I disliked it so much. I was like it was probably like a good probably th- like 2 minutes too wide of a zone if you think about like running across it. Like it just felt like getting to that like southwestern portion to do some of the dailies always felt like it took like just like a minute too long to get there <laughs> yeah like, the, the other thing is they had pretty significant variance in how much rep you could get per day because of how much was tied to killing rares and getting the drops from the rares if yeah. you got the purple items that gave like 250 rep you know that's obviously significantly better than getting like three of the green items that give like 15 
or 25, mm -hmm. whatever it was. Um, and yeah. if you have a few rares, like some days you could get three purple items and some days you could get nothing but greens. Right. Yeah. Um, so there were, there was like a couple days of variance and that's not a big deal for most people. The people that like really care about like, ah, oh, I'm going to get like this first, which there are a couple of my guild. They're like, you know, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do the grind. I'm going to be the first one done. And, yeah. you know, just like going in there and getting nothing, but you know, low value green rep tokens basically was a frustrating experience for them. Um, I will say this is the second, uh, second like end game rep zone that I did not really do. I went back yeah. and I did it after they like quintupled the amount of rep you got. When they pulled the ripcord, yeah. Yeah, when they pulled the ripcord, when they like quintupled it, then I went and I did it for conduits and gems. Yeah. But that was the reward for this, right? The reward was was conduits and gems. And it was the very annoying way of doing conduits where you have to like go buy a single conduit item, go back to your covenant hall, use it, go back to the and it's not like a specific conduit, it's a random one. Um and it it was like this very slow process of going back and forth. Um yeah. but then we had people that like stockpile like eighty thousand research. So as soon as they hit the um because there was nothing else to spend it on, right? Right. Yeah. They, they just stockpiled it all, and then when they, they hit, had, you know, max, they went and bought their conduits and gems and everything. Yeah, yeah. The gem slots, I think, were like the big thing that people also disliked about this zone. Is that it was like getting extra sockets was tied behind getting essentially exalted or tier. I think this was a tier based thing, so it's like getting tier six, right? Yeah. Um, to do it. So it was yeah. I mean, in general, this like I. The, this zone was like not exciting i will tell you this though in my personal life was at a time when like i didn't have a lot of work stuff going on so it was like a very chill like yeah. sign on do some emails in the morning get to reset and then like do my like sit in the zone and wait for like rare calls and like run around yeah. so yeah but yeah i was not the biggest fan of corthia this is also um so morgan they actually commented on the kind of structure of the rewards in the maw and in corthia in his mm -hmm. interview with Max, uh, which I think is interesting, I forgot to bring up earlier, um, and basically said that they they basically saw the gem rewards in particular, the socket rewards in particular, as like a uh, a way for people to get that like very small additional power gain. Mm -hmm. You know, guaranteed. You know, you can roll a socket just naturally, but you can also do the rep grind and you can get it guaranteed. And the uh, essence of it was that people did not see that 5% power gain as optional. Right, yeah. And, Which... uh, and you know, had significantly less fun because they felt like it was mandatory. The conduits he didn't even mention, which the only way to get the highest high-level conduits was to do the rip grind. Yeah. Which is very dumb. Actually, yeah. uh, there, was, there was some you could get from the raid. But like, other than like the three that dropped from the raid, the highest high level came from Corthia, and it was the only way to get them. Yeah, yeah, and so like, yeah, I think that the funny thing is like Blizzard actually realized that like any sort of power gain is generally going to be considered mandatory from a community perspective. So it's an easy way to to upset people. But yeah, but that's I mean that's yeah. Corthia. I don't think we either of us have good things to say. I, and even and we'll we'll quickly I guess we can touch on it here. Even the nine dot one. Or nine one five changes to Corthia just basically sped it up 
Like it, it became kind of a joke at that point, which was nice, they did but it's still speed it up a lot. Like I actually yeah. at that point did the rep grind on like three characters because you could do it on three characters in significantly less time than it took to do it on one. Yeah, and, and part of that was that they, as part of boosting the drop rates of the research tokens, it made doing this route of killing the big like tornado dudes in the mm-hmm. in the shadow realm just super efficient. So you would go in with a group token, you'd go and you'd do a loop and you'd kill like 20 of these things. And then you'd go back out, you'd turn in your tokens and you'd do it again. And so unlike the rare thing where you had like a daily limit on the rares, Mm -hmm. um, you had this super efficient route that you could do that had no cooldown effectively. It was just however much time you could spend on it. And that was actually like... I've commented before that I wouldn't mind these things as much about I could just like sit down on a, on a Saturday and like watch a TV show and do a, do a rep grind. And that's yeah. basically what this let me do. Like I sat down on a Saturday and I, I did the rep grind on my paladin. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, I mean, I think that's Corthy in a nutshell. It's just sort of some mandatory power gain behind a very tedious grind and like a, a, a zone that was not very easy to, like understand the mechanics of like out of the gate so and i think one one thing to take forward from this zone is that there are very few things more frustrating as a player than not understanding what it is you're supposed to be doing yeah yeah no yeah i i would agree so um the other thing that came in this patch was we got new soulbind tiers and new capstone abilities on our soulbinds um so this was really nice a couple of this turned some of just even entire covenants into the you know, covenants you'd now pick just based on some of the soul yeah. lines. Um, so yeah, so that was, that was a nice, I think everybody got another potency conduit slot. Yeah. One sort of, you know, either defensive or finesse was the other kind of slot. Um, and then, uh, um, and then, yeah, it was a nice extension of the system, right? Like it's sort of yeah. like new renown levels tied to new capstone or new soul line levels. So, and um, this is something wrestling. like I mentioned last week that a lot of the the kind of like covenant defining soulbind powers weren't in yet in 9.0. Mm-hmm. This is where they're all added. This is where Dreamweaver gets the haste circle. This is where you get Kevin's oozling. This is where you get the damage on a many's like fleshcraft. This is where you get the cooldown reduction on the Mechanicos tree. This is where you get the T from uh, what's his face. Theotar. Theotar. Theotar C, yeah. Um, like, all of these, like, really high-end powers that are super, super good come from this patch. So, that's, yeah. that was also really, really big for, like, reshuffling covenants, uh, which is another thing. Initially, at the launch of the patch, you had, they basically reset your covenant swap like right. limitation so the way it worked initially as a refresher you could swap to a new covenant basically for free no cost uh you just had to like catch up on renown um mm-hmm. the uh but the catch was if you had say started as as night fey and then swapped to kyrian to go back to night fey you had to do two weeks of like grind quests yep. um and what they did for this patch is they reset that. So you could then, if Night Fae was now your best again, you could swap back to Night Fae, no questions asked. Um, but you then couldn't swap back to Kyrian again. 
Yeah, without that two-week grind, yeah. Uh, this yeah. is also the patch, uh, as a little just fun aside, this is also the patch that had all the Covenant dudes in Oribos around the quest giver. Yeah. And you had people accidentally swapping Covenants. They're just clicking through. Because <laughs> they're just clicking through, like... Like this is this is your brain on Azeroth autopilot, by the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, so definitely a little bit of a reshuffle. We'll talk about that in a second. With specifically, I have some comments on Mistweaver there, but yeah, so they added those new tiers. Um, this also was flying was now enabled, so you could fly in all the old zones, um, which was or not old zones, I guess the the Bastion, the yeah, whatever the Sinfall Venthyr. Anyway, those zones you could now fly in. You couldn't fly across the zone still, so it was just like within the yeah, zone. There's basically um, like a giant ocean for all intents and purposes in between. Yeah. And so you can't you can't. Not I I will tell you, I still like I I don't remember that you can fly ever. Like I just it still is not a big thing to me. Yeah. <laughs> like in those I, zones. I do because I play Kyrian and flying is how you escape the order hall. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's true. That is true. That is true. Um the other big thing in this patch was the Torghast updates, which I think is really something we should and maybe a second or two on. So this was the patch where they added tower knowledge uh, yep. and changed the whole way that, that the system works. So instead of like having like a death counter and then you sort of just died, they added a point system. So you basically got the faster you did it essentially or more efficiently with less deaths, you got points based yeah. on your points at the end of it, at the end of a, 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 a Torghast run, you got a currency or like a point, I guess, yeah, a currency that you it, could then spend to get upgrades Yeah, yeah. Uh, with the tower important? knowledge. Importantly, the um, actual like legendary resource reward wasn't tied to your points. Exactly. But you needed yeah. to get a certain number of points in order to progress to the next Torghast level to get even more legendary currency. Exactly. Um, but yeah, tower knowledge is actually really big. Um, this mm, patch yeah. is actually like Torghast. Like, the, there were two things. One, Solash is basically free at this point because there's a new currency for your legendaries, which meant you were actually kind of free to just craft a low eye-level version of whatever legendary. Mm -hmm. This meant that for Monk, you could craft the Touch of Death legendary basically for free at eye-level 190, and it was super, super good for Torghast. Um, and uh, then Tower Knowledge giving you like huge amounts of extra like common and uncommon powers. Um was another really big thing for enabling kind of the like hilarious monk builds where you would pick up corrosive dosage and also get like no cooldown touch of death and yeah. also like the for the uncommon fort brew power that increased your hp based on the number of times you'd cast touch of death yeah and so you'd run around casting touch of death on things and like i i had uh, i have a screenshot somewhere of me with like eight million health with fort brew up and put, just pushing Touch of Death on the end boss of Adam Everything. and Vaults. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, well, this is the patch that added Adam and Vaults where if you perfected a run, there was like an extra bonus floor that gave you more tower knowledge, I think, and, and some other... Uh, it had a chance to drop sockets a, too, I think. Right? A conduit or a socket, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so this is when they, they made those changes to Torghast, which I think was good. They also added partial Solash catch-up, so like... After the first time you completed a floor, you get your full Solash rewards. And then if you completed that same floor again, I think it was like 20%. You got 20% of what you would have gotten. Yeah. So they added some ability to run it. We'll see in the Ripcord patch, they change all that. Um, yeah. Yeah, Torghast becomes kind of fun. Like, I, I actually ran Torghast a bunch during this patch. Yeah. Um, for the both, fire... like... Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, for not only the resources, but, like, 
for the chance at conduits or for the chance at yeah. um, sockets. Things like that. I did a bunch. Like I didn't do sales. I knew several people who did tour guest sales, and oh, really? like, that okay. was always also really good because I mean, alts in tour guest not the greatest experience. Just yeah. period. Um, but I did a bunch. Uh, there's still at this point like a huge disparity between how good different specs are and classes are in tour guest. And so I did a bunch of basically carries in guild where like, you know, mage has a hard time doing the highest Torghast layer. Um, maybe it wasn't mage like mage can, you can like invest to the end and just kill a boss, but you know, you have like a, a rogue or a priest or something that like, unless you get very specific powers, it's pretty rough. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did a bunch of just like, you know, guildies needed to do Torghast. I can do a Torghast run in like eight minutes and guarantee that I'm going to get zero cooldown touch of death and or corrosive dosage by the end and just like solo the whole thing. Um, so I did a lot of that. It was actually, that was actually really fun for me to do it with a DPS because doing it as Brewmaster, your first floor is just like really slow until you get yeah. your, your build going and then you just like blast. So having a DPS to help with the first floor made it a lot smoother. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that this is the patch where like as a monk, Torghast became like kind of fun. Like yeah. I had a good time. No, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, Torghast is those things there, and then a couple of just minor. I guess maybe not as minor, but some weird things you could mount in the mall now because like the eye had gone to Sanctum, so that was fun. Yeah. I guess. Um, and then legendaries they added in uh, covenant specific legendaries. So this was specifically for Mistweaver, the Rise of Venthyr. Uh, yeah. And the Venthyr legendary that gave you reduced cooldown on your Fallen Order ability. Um, there's a bunch of Mistweaver balance changes done also in this patch. Um, but basically, this was the patch where we started to see the shift from with the Kyrians and Necros to just playing Venthyr because a one minute Fallen Order is just a ridiculous amount of healing, regardless of what else you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so this was. Um, I think this was probably one of the the better patches um, from a Mistweaver perspective. And particularly as we sort of go into maybe a little bit of a raid discussion, like in Sanctum, it was very, very nice to have that ability on a one-minute cooldown because a lot of the the damage was either consistent damage or it was on a one-minute cycle already, right? Um, Yeah. um, Yeah. And this comes off like they nerfed Disc Priest's um, Spirit Shell from one minute to 90 seconds. So their stuff no longer lined up with every single damage event. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but there was a lot of raw damage. Like Soul Render had a lot, Remnant had a lot. Painsmith did not until you got deeper into the fight. But then deeper into the fight, like your your Mistweaver could just like hard carry the phase three healing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Uh yeah, you get it, you get it twice if you, if you lined it up right. So. Yeah, I mean, this was this was my favorite patch. As, like, as, like, it's just fun doing a lot of healing. And as, as a Mistweaver, like, I mean, you could play without raid frames for the majority of it. Just, like, hit all your buttons on cooldown, do some DPS in the middle, and, like, you you won the healing meter. So, um, but, yeah, so Sanctum, maybe we spent a couple minutes on just... Yeah, actually, say the one, ra- oh, sorry. one more note on, like, Covenants and Legendaries yeah. for monks. Like, Windwalker, this is where they switched to, to Necrolord. This was tied mm-hmm. to Kyrian nerfs, or I guess generally like single target nerfs. Um, and the new capstones for like Kevin's Oozling. Um, oh yeah. So they end up and they end up playing Necrolord. This is where the spin to win stuff really starts happening. You push Bone Dust Brew, you push Spinning Crane Kick a whole lot. 
you do like number one AOE DPS. Mm -hmm. um, and then for Brewmaster, uh, none of the Covenant Legendaries mattered at all. <laughs> Zero. You still played Shard Passions, right? Uh, so we actually, so Storm South Last Keg is what we had played primarily in Castle Nathria. It was just like, like you know, 1% behind Shard Passions and significantly better defensively and significantly easier to play. So you just like always played Storm Stouts. Right, right, right. Um, this tier is one where Shard Passions was actually like 10% ahead. Yeah. And so there was a lot more people playing it. Um, I am still like unsure if it was correct to play it over Storm Stouts just because of how much easier Storm Stouts is to play. Gotcha, yeah. Um, like I played Shard Passions on Sylvanas, uh, primarily because of actually the phase one and phase two damage checks. Mm -hmm. And because in phase three, I was on vacuum duty. I was not doing very much damage regardless. I would have gotten more phase three damage by playing Storm Stouts. Right. Um, but I was not doing very much damage regardless of what I did in phase three because I was spending <laughs> so much time off platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it it uh, was kind of a shakeup for, I think, all three specs, but definitely Miss Weaver's. The yeah, most. I think we're the, we're the largest, yeah. Um, particularly because I don't think before this anyone had played Venthyr. Like this was the, like people had sort of mixed between Night Fae, Kyrian, uh, Necrolord, and... Um, yeah, this was the first, I think, season or I guess, yeah, patch where Venter became a thing. So, um, but yeah, let's um, maybe we'll spend a couple minutes talking about Sanctum because we still haven't gotten to the Ripcord stuff. But um, Sanctum, I, maybe we just, I think we spent a lot of time talking about the biggest part of Sanctum outside of the fights themselves was, of course, the gems, right? The, yeah. The, the whole the domination socks, sets. You know, yeah. The domination sets. And like, I think as a concept, I like the idea of something that isn't a tier but still has tier-like impacts to your power. I think the way that they were implemented was honestly one of the worst implementations of a power gain system ever. <laughs> like you had yeah. you had weird acquisition rules where like you needed not only the sockets yeah. but an item to activate it and then also like the upgrading of it was like with a limited resource meant that like in many cases you just held your upgrades until Maybe like a weekend that was like, okay, now finally, like this is the set I'm going to go to. Because if I put all my points yeah. into a set that ends up being either fixed or nerfed or changed, you just lost your week behind now right. you know, for the full time. There's also stuff like uh, early on, you were able to accidentally delete gems by putting another one in over top of it. Yeah. So there <laughs> are a bunch of people that lost upgraded gems. Um, where they upgraded one of their gems, and then for like Mythic Plus, they wanted to switch from you know Unholy set to Frost to Frost set, and deleted their like rank two or rank three Unholy gem. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and the original system didn't didn't contain the in like if I guess once you could upgrade them your gems, but the the set bonus of the gem didn't increase with that level. That was something that was added later. I think it was only like no, a week later. That that was added as part of the. That was not on. PTR, but it was in live immediately. Oh, okay. So sorry, got it. Okay, I thought they had added like the reset, like the second reset. So it's still very early, but okay, I didn't realize it yeah. launched. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, it, it launched with that. that, and that is kind of where, um, like, the week two power gains were starting were really big because people were getting like a huge bonus to their 
domination yeah. the people that had them got a huge bonus to their domination sets i guess it was technically week three because it would have been like heroic week mythic week one yeah and then mythic week two um but yeah it in terms of acquisition it had all the downsides of tier sets none of the up, none of the upsets like no uh, no redeeming qualities like it it so like you only needed three right you only needed three in order to right. turn your stuff on but but one of those three had to be the like one specific item for your set so you needed like for unholy you needed helm for blood you needed shoulders and for frost you needed chest i think or maybe i've got right. frost and blood it, yeah but you needed like one specific piece right. of this the socket set to to enable that specific bonus so if you wanted yeah. the blood bonus but you didn't have shoulders you were fine though you had three blood gems you didn't get the, the blood you set you bonus. have four set items three blood gems and no blood set yeah i did a, just, i have a spreadsheet with a bunch of math on like acquisition for these and how that played out and yeah. how it did end up in terms of numbers it actually did it was significantly better than it would have been if they had just put tier sets in with no extra like controls in place. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was still not good. Yeah. And yeah. we did see when they came out in Sanctum, they had controls in place for the tier sets where like you always got two tier tokens from the bosses. And yeah. that's basically that made it kind of equivalent. But it was oh man. Yeah. And, and the, oh sorry. It, it wasn't even so the tier sets the domination sets were not something that you really played around they were just kind of passive power gates and right. you could say that for a number of the sepulcher tier sets as well but there were at least some where you played around them yeah or they did like really impactful things to your character that you could feel even if the numbers maybe weren't as big yeah and like even like and they they almost were too powerful if you think about it in terms of like i mean i think you you had talked about this like your raid team i think ran a ton of blood sets just for the extra yeah. healing for like specifically like sylvanas and and some of the like sylvanas we, and painsmith right we ran all blood sets basically the whole tier everybody yeah, ran blood sets because it was it was not as it wasn't a huge damage loss from like the frost run holy but it had such an upside in terms of like the healing right right like you're talking about the whole raid so the the other thing is because of the scaling of the tier set bonuses or of the domination set bonuses the dam- there were no more damage checks after you got through like rank 3 of your set bonus it didn't matter what set bonus it was like mm-hmm. there are some specs that it couldn't be frost yeah um because they just couldn't trigger it but by and large it didn't matter what your set bonus was. Once you hit rank three, there were no more damage checks in the tier. Right. Um, and like I mentioned the Sylvanas, like phase one, phase two stuff, but that was really more of like consistency of push timing kind of thing. Not, not like we need to actually like really hard push to meet this damage check. It was right, more yeah. like we want to push at exactly the same spot each time kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and domination, like the blood set did two things. One, it was extremely consistent because it was just a dot. It's just a dot um, that heals you. It leeches health to you. Um, and the other thing is that the Unholy set, which is the one that everybody wanted to run pretty much, uh, you could lose your, your Unholy stacks depending on when it procced. And so you could completely lose a usage of it. And if that happened, then it was worse than Blood Set. And right. if that happened, then your damage profile changes pretty dramatically for the fight. You know, Whereas Blood Set, always the same, always active, very good healing, 
Like it was like having an extra half a healer. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the, I think that the sets themselves are just, they were, they were a huge power increase, which I think is what you want to like, everybody wants to see from like a tier set like thing. It's just like the acquisition of them was annoying. And then once you got them, you forgot about them. Like I'd never yeah. swapped gems ever. Cause the individual gems were so not impactful. Like some people, maybe if you mid max and mythic plus where the set bonuses weren't active, but in general, right. like, there the, the individual gems were like not oh yeah super about powerful. That. The, yeah. The, the sets didn't work in mythic plus but the individual gems did yeah so it's a weird thing so um but yeah then into sanctum itself i mean let's be honest with you sanctum was two bosses it was it was painsmith and sylvanas because it had probably one of the not one of the probably the worst like difficulty downward trend after a difficult boss because you ki- you killed painsmith and then you basically were on sylvanas because yeah. Every boss after Painsmith was a sub twenty pull boss. Like we two shot Guardian. Because I was a little bit more, but yeah, we did the same I, thing with Guardian. Like uh, Guardian was a joke because of the dominations. Like for for the world first race, it was because they could overheal it, right? And they could just right. do more. They they found the critical point where it was worth it to add a healer to gain fight time to make the DPS check irrelevant. Exactly. For the rest of the world, it was because we had rank five blood sets or rank five whatever sets. And you didn't need to overheal it. You just killed the boss. Exactly. Exactly. And that's actually a little bit, um, I would have loved to be kind of like a fly on the wall in, in the like blizzard internal, whatever chat system they use teams or Slack or whatever to watch the reaction of the tuning team to the last minute, like 500% buff to the set bonuses at rank five. (laughs) Yeah. And be like, I, I wonder what they thought about that. Were they like, oh my God, all of our tuning work is like gone out the window now? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, like, it, that was, that was a joke. I mean, and then even like Fate Scribe, like, Fate Scribe was, could you do the intermission? Yes, no. Right. And it was more of like, not even could you do it? It's like, could you get five or six people to stand on a rune and not run into balls or run into their own beam? Like, yeah. as they, oh. like, as they do this. Oh my God. <laughs> The beams on Fate Scribe starting from the center and killing you when you are trying to stand on it, so you have to stand on the edge, is, number one, something that they should have caught in testing. It fixed. Number two, something that is actually a travesty that has not been fixed in Season 4. Yeah, you can't dodge and you can't you yeah, you can get hit by your own beam. So if you stand towards the middle part of your rune, you will get hit by your own beam and die. Yeah. Like, yeah, like to this day, we still, I mean, we, Last time we did Fate Scribe, I think we had somebody die to that exact thing. And it's just yeah. like, just do- always dodge out. Like, always, if yeah. you're going to dodge something, you dodge out and you come right back in. But yeah, the fact that you didn't have to, like... Because the mechanic was you could basically turn the runes either clockwise or counterclockwise, depending on the amount of people standing on it. Yeah. The idea, like, at the end of the day, Limit found you, out that you, you could just send one left. person. Yeah, you always... You just send one person and you have enough time as long as you're on the rune within, like, three seconds of them spawning. Yeah. to make it around the circle to, to dunk it in. So, yeah, and I mean, the it, issue with doing it, like trying to do left and right, is that you would um, have to coordinate that with people like stepping off of runes to turn off their beams because if you walked through the beam, you would die. Yeah, from the die, yeah. Um, yeah. But there wasn't really time to do that, really. Like that kind of coordination is just not something that you really... Yeah, and, they, and it's... Yeah, that you don't have it. Actually, that brings up a good point. In one of the interviews, I think it was with Ian, Ian talked about the fact that like the arms race with world first skills and the fact that they've put so many mechanics, particularly in 
to poker that are like one person makes a mistake, whole raid wipes. He's like, they're moving. They want to move away from that. He's like, he's like, Good. that was a little bit much, <laughs> right? Where it's like, you shouldn't, the entire raid should not wipe because one person makes a mistake once, like six minutes into a fight, right? Like right. That and then there's very the, much like the face scribe thing. Like I cannot imagine doing fate scribe if we had to actually go left and right and do the beams. That's, that's, um, that's a 200 pull boss. Like, yeah, easily. I really think so. So, um, um yeah, it, but, it was sorry. it was yeah it was not pleasant. But then like Kelthazad again was the, uh, the other thing about Sanctum is it was push timer central. Every yeah. boss had some push timer pretty much that you needed to do, or benefited greatly from doing. Like Fate Scribe, he didn't spawn any new things once you hit uh, two point five percent above whatever his next push point was, so seventy percent or forty percent. So what you would do is you would get to seventy two point five, you would stop on the boss, you would clean up whatever ads you had up. Them. deal with any damage that was going out um, because you knew that nothing else was going to happen. You could get Twist of Fate, which is the dot that would get applied to the raid, and that was it. Um, and so you would just clean everything up, then you would push the boss and you would do the intermission. But honestly, like 2.5% 2, 2. of the boss's health is not that much, and it was very easy to accidentally push. Right, particularly with God, particularly with the gems <laughs> and like yeah. certain things procking yeah. during that. So yeah. Um, so yeah, so that, I mean, that was... Yeah, that was sort of the annoying part of the end of the thing. Um, I will say, though, like, we're a little short on time, but if we think about Sanctum, like, as the two bosses, as Painsmith and Sylvanas, um, I think other bosses are, are sort of, I think, not interesting enough to talk about. I think in general, because this raid was only two bosses, this is, to me, the worst raid of this instance. And I think even Sylvanas, while not a bad fight, was probably four or five minutes too long or like maybe not four or yeah. five minutes but it was a too long of a fight for your first kill yeah. um it was particularly a with 14 the, minute kill for us first time four, i think 14 minutes yeah we were probably around the same which is like the the phase two part of sylvanas was unfun like no matter how many times i did it i did not like it <laughs> it, it, it was so much better it's one of the few things where like the mythic changes actually like really, really significantly improved it on heroic. It was miserable. You spend so much time like waiting for thrall or, or Jada to spawn a bridge. Yeah. Even, on, even on phase mythic. one on mythic was nice because the arrow spawns were consistent. So actually yeah. I, Sylvanas is actually probably that statement. I think applies to the whole fight that Sylvanas was a better mythic fight than it was a heroic. fight. Yeah. It, it was a really still like, long. It was not my favorite fight. Um, for sure. But it was a lot better on Mythic than Heroic. Heroic was actually just like anti-fun for, for, until you hit Phase 3, and then Phase 3 was fine. Um, yeah. Arch in uh, in chat is, uh, is getting whole DPS PTSD, though, from talking <laughs> about this raid. Yeah, no, that was definitely across the board. But I think, yeah, I mean, you had Sylvanas, very long, quote-unquote epic. I don't know how epic it was fight. I mean, we did kill it as the last raise was going on on the final platform our first time. So it's like it yeah. had those moments like similar to Sire moments, but... I will tell you, I did not. I felt I did not feel as excited to kill Sylvanas as I did to kill Sire. Um, and even like yeah. Painsmith, for example, was like just not like Painsmith was fun in terms of like difficulty and like um, and like the mechanics and things like that. But the problem was, is it was like one person screws up entire raid wipes. Like, yeah, you get your one chain person who runs the wrong way in phase three and everyone's and dead. And dead. it's just, yeah. Ugh, I would say that um, I would put Sanctum above Sepulchre in terms of raids of this expansion. And it is primarily because 
Um, honestly, the poker just does not have very many boss fights that I look forward to doing. It, whereas, like, Soul Render was fun, mm-hmm. um, if basic, but it was fun. Uh, Painsmith was very good. Guardian was fun to do. Again, basic, but fun to do. Sylvanas on farm was fun to do. Um, yeah. I, I like that fight on farm. I did not like it as much on Prague. But on farm, when you like overgear it and you just like murder things, it, it was a lot more fun. Um, and uh, like Remnant, once you reach the point that your DPS stopped changing the push timers every week, was kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but true. that one, again, that was like push timer hell. So, and that one, that one was the one I remember every single week. The order of mechanics changed because of when yeah. we pushed from one phase to the next. Yeah, that was miserable. Yeah, that's true. That's true. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, well, cool. Yeah. So that's that's sort of sanctum. We also had a couple of quick things um, in terms of Mythic Plus. So this was the introduction of Mythic Plus rating. So they added Mythic Plus rating into the game, which sort of then gave you the whole teleports being added for doing like plus 20s. And then you had your Mythic Plus score, which gave you your KSM mounts and gave you the ability to upgrade gear to certain levels with Valor. Um, That was all this patch. And they also added Tazavesh as a mega mega dungeon, not as Mythic Plus, but as the mega dungeon. And Tazavesh, I think, fine. I I think mega dungeons are always cool. Like this one was good. Karazhan was good back in the day. Um, Mechagon was good. So um, Tazavesh was fine. I mean... Annoying. Luckily for me, got the trinket I needed, uh, or initially very early, um, which was nice. Got hard mode done, which was fun. But, um, but yeah, Tazavesh was was in at this point, and then the the rating yeah. piece. So, um, so cool. So maybe we, gosh, not a lot of time here to talk about ripcord stuff. So I'm gonna let's oh, do. Man, here's uh, we have the a, list we have here is like actually insanely long. So I have what to I'll scroll do? Roll to see the whole thing. How about how about I do this? Let's. I'll read through them all. Yeah. Okay, and then we basically say, okay, these are the big ones for us, okay, yeah. for the ones that you saw. So yeah, this was the, everybody called it pulling the ripcord. It was a this comment Ian made in an interview earlier on in the expansion where he was like, well, if people really don't like the changes, we'll pull the ripcord, which essentially yeah. means like we will make massive changes. And this was when they did it. So here's the list. <laughs> it's massive. So uh, AOE cap removed. Uh, yeah. Huge. We barely um, touched on the fact that AOE caps were in the game up until this point. Like, from yeah. the beginning of Shadowlands up until this point. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, they, uh, well, this, I'll skip that one. So then they they also did, once you reach 80 Renown on a Covenant, you can freely swap to any other Covenant you want. So they basically had free Covenant swaps whenever you want. Got rid of the quest um, to do, which was great. Um, they made a bunch of stuff repeatable. So particularly the Collect Souls quest repeatable for your sanctum so you could then power level sanctum so it was always annoying to wait only getting like 12 or 20 souls a week um they removed conduit energy finally and um, we talked yes. about that last week which was uh, which was a great change uh, for people who needed that they um they once you unlocked a third soul bond on one character you unlocked it on any character for that um so you didn't have to do your full covenant campaign to get to your third right. soul bond, which was massive um legion Legion time walking was added in 915, including the mage plus time walking. And yeah, the, oh yeah, and the mage tower. And the mage tower, like yeah. the Legion, the mage tower, huge, huge thing. Um, they added a bunch of heirloom scouting maps for all the X packs. Um, so all the expansions, you get like your all your flight points easily, which was I think a great change if you wanted to level. Um, they added the gateway control shard, so you could use warlock gateways. Yeah. Um, versus the old focus macros, which was always I know fun. 
Another thing oh. on on Painsmith that was always a pain was having oh. to like set up the gateway, focus the gateway. If somebody forgets and the ad spawns on them, it's a raid wipe. They're dead. Yeah, you can't kill it. Yeah, it was always annoying. Um, the ma- we already touched on this, but massive Corthia speed up stuff. So they basically made Corthia a joke to sort of catch up with. Um, the added the refund of Soul Ash and Soul Cinders to legendaries, so you can now destroy legendaries and get everything back but the basic item. Um, and then they, of course, uh, updated repeatable Torghast Solash farm. So you can now repeat any sort of Torghast and get full rewards back. So you didn't have to wait on like a weekly basis or whatever, get yeah. those reduced rewards. So it made any sort of catch up, any sort of change you wanted to do huge. Um, and I'm probably missing, like, I'm probably missing. So I'm like, I, I literally read through the notes. It took me like 20 minutes to put this list together because I was like, I got to add this, I got to add that. Um, so, yeah, so. It um, was a, this was a huge patch. Like yeah. this is in some ways, actually Shadowlands had like the biggest 0.5 patches just ever. Yeah. Cause oh, like yeah. 9.0.5 was like Valor PVP gear changes. It was um, just a bunch of changes to dungeons, to systems in the game. Mm-hmm. And then 9.1.5, again, the ripcord patch, like, probably the biggest 0.5 patch that the game has ever had yeah oh they added um i just read they added the authenticator requirement to do group finder stuff oh yeah um, this so is where they started do, cracking down on ad stuff too yeah on all the on all the ad stuff so they you had like to do like custom search like custom text in your group names you had to have an authenticator attached to your to your account right um and all and that stuff yeah there, yeah there are two ways to have an authenticator on your account one is a physical like dongle that you can get from mm-hmm. them. Um, second is you have a phone, and phones are a slightly less fungible resource than than just like being able to buy a new account. So yep. it, it lets them cut down on like some of the bot spam for sales and things. Uh, but this yeah. is also uh, this is the patch where they kind of like put the hammer down on sales stuff as well mm-hmm. um so a bunch of the big communities like broke up here galliwix got banned for real money trading uh oh yeah starlight got banned for real money trading uh it was like and this is also i guess then the precursor to my guild moving to area 52 because we couldn't like without sales income we literally couldn't afford to be on Zeralian. yep yep yeah because um, like basically we were doing guild bank transfers of materials to make legendaries or of legendaries themselves and um the guild banks that were coming to us were coming to us from sales communities with a bunch of gold on them to pay for sales mm-hmm. and so without those all of our like legendary stuff is like inaccessible so we had to yeah. we, we, we effectively had to move servers exactly uh, but yeah, I think I think this was like really the there's a a moment where I think that they had to seriously consider like maybe we were actually just wrong about everything. Maybe yeah. they were just wrong. And this is the moment where they had to look at that and very seriously say, "Okay, yeah, we were wrong." Yeah. And a lot of the changes they completely backed out um stuff like the covenant changes the aoe caps conduit energy went away something that they had defended before 
Um, mm-hmm. And this is also the first test of like really having end game high ends level old content in the form of Legion Mythic Plus. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was a massive success, even if a lot of their metrics were probably skewed by people farming specifically. Uh, right. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. The, um, was it Black Recold? It's not Black Recold. Uh, Vault of the Wardens. Vault of the Wardens had two different trinkets for melee DPS. Uh, Tirathon's Betrayal and whatever the Frost one was. I can't remember the name of it. I have both, by the way. Gotcha. I actually just vendored them, but I have both. Um, nice. And then it had a caster trinket, Moonlit Prison. Um, so, and it had a healer trinket that gave a ton of mana return. Uh, I don't remember what it was. It was like specifically really good for, for Resto Druid because it would like get triggered by all of their hots. Yeah, yeah. Um, like it had a ton of stuff. So people were just like hardcore farming both of the Wardens. Quarter Stars was then the other one and had the auto attack ring, which yeah. was actually, fun fact, not only buffing auto attacks, but we didn't find that out until later. Yeah. It was actually, so the way that the uh, damage formula works for abilities that are based on your weapon damage is that it's basically like your weapon damage gets converted to attack power and then gets added with your regular attack power. And then that determines your ability damage. Well, the ring was just multiplying your attack power or your weapon damage by 10%. Or like by adding ten percent to it, um, but the last time it had been relevant was in Legion before this had happened, right? Yeah. So BFA was the where they changed the abilities to work like this. So it was actually buffing all of your abilities by ten percent, not just your auto attacks. Um, Seems okay. A little bit good. A little bit good. We did not know about that until several weeks after the Legion time walking went away. So if you farmed it because it was good for your auto attacks, you were like sailing. And if you did not, uh, well, it sucks to be you. Um, But this is also like they initially were going to have Legion time walking up for like two weeks. And it ended up staying around for a month. Mage Towers was going to be around for two weeks. Um, There were a lot of Mage Tower sales. And they actually really cracked down on those. And they took away people's like skins and things from completing the Mage Tower. Yeah, which was big. Yeah. Um, but then they also like that ended up being available for over a month and then came back in patch 9.2 permanently. Um, and like, there's just a bunch, this is the point at which I think at least personally, I stopped being like really, really critical and negative about the decisions that they've made and the design choices that they've made Mm -hmm. and start being a little bit more like, Oh, Hey, you know, this actually like makes sense. Right. Yeah. I think, I think this is too, the, this I'm, I was in a similar boat where I was less like, I'd say negative about their decisions and more like, they're just like, they made a decision, they stuck with it. And like, they've shown with something like this patch that they will change if the voice, like if, if as a community or as, as, as players were loud enough, right? Like this yeah. was the patch where I'm like, maybe they do listen. Previous this patch, I'd be like, Blizzard just does whatever they want. They're making the game terrible. It's like, you know, extremely negative sort of comments that way. And I think this yeah. was the one where they're like, okay, maybe they are willing to like totally shake up the game. And I'll say that the nice thing too, if we look a little bit forward is a lot of what they did with this patch, like the changes they made from the previous version of these systems to the new one, you can see in the way they're designing the Dragonflight system. Yeah. Right. Like you can see that sort of same idea of like, we will make as much as we can. Like we will try and not restrict 
as much as we can to allow you to do what you want inside of the game. Like right. I think previously they want they like had this mentality of like your character is what you care about and like you want to they want to make that character go through the journey and each character goes yeah. through their own journey. Where like I think a lot of times people today don't play one character, they play an account of characters or multiple characters. Yeah. So like there's also like some people do play effectively one character. Um yeah, I mean, for I'm them, like, they yeah, have a yeah. very different experience. But even then, it's like you were really forced into doing everything or almost everything. Like you could get out of yeah. doing PvP, basically. And that's right. it. Where if you look at like rating, um, in order to get your nomination set upgrades, you had to have done the rep or one of the reps in Corthia because they were gated behind honored with whatever the the like like whatever the rep was for the Necrolord lady yeah, yeah yeah the bones bone the bone guy bones yeah, with yeah. higher mirror yeah yeah um because if you didn't have that you couldn't upgrade your stuff um exactly and so there was stuff that you had to do in corthia then in order to raid and it was actually required and then from there it's like not a very long leap to you know hey mandatory sockets you know yeah now hey, you gotta get mandatory sockets, conduits yeah. like i know for my guild we didn't require it um i didn't do it yeah. Like, so I, if I wasn't doing it, we couldn't require it, basically. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, yeah. No, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I would agree that this was sort of, this was definitely the ripcord patch. And I think of all of these changes, I think we're good. I think for, for me personally, funnily enough, the the change that I, I I think I liked the most was actually the gateway control shard change. That was actually I, really nice. I was, a, I was a player that, like, as personally, I would always forget to focus the gateway. Yeah. Like it's literally like the, and it, generally I'd get it like the second, third pull of the night. I remember, but the first two pulls, yeah. if we got to that point, we're like me furiously spamming, trying to click like, yeah, please get the, me there. The worst part was if you reset the boss after people set up their focus macros and then the gateway would go back up and people would forget to reset their focus macros. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. then you'd get to it and like the entire rate is parked on the gateway trying to click it. Yeah, no, that was. I mean, the the shard was big, and and it, and to be to be fair, it's also funny because in my guild, it becomes, it's become a meme that none of our new trials know it exists. So that's the other thing is Blizzard really? did a, does a terrible job did a terrible job of like pointing players to it post yeah. this patch. Yeah. So if you didn't play at the launch of this patch or nine one five, you don't know about it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So we it really <laughs> it really should have been a toy too, because that's the other thing is like every alt forgetting to get it on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because that's like when I was playing my mage in season four. I, uh, you know, we, we did Painsmith the first time and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> I and don't, like, I don't have it. it. It ended up being okay for me in particular because I was playing a mage and I just blinked twice and I was there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But if I were playing literally anything else, it would have been like a wipe. Exactly. Um, exactly. But yeah, they actually, so there, I did figure out how to get the interaction key stuff working in, um, in Dragonflight prepatch, cool. which you can now you can replace your uh, gateway control shard with that, with a big caveat. If you put a Jeeves or something on top of that, uh, or a feast, then it's very difficult to control which one you use. So practically, I still use I still have the gateway control shard bound instead because it's just like. If you're required to use the gateway for something there, it is very important that you use the gateway when you mean to, not yeah. accidentally try and use the feast or a Jeeves. <laughs> Fair enough. I didn't I didn't realize that, but 
but yeah, no. So that was the. I think that was to me the biggest piece of this patch was was that thing. I don't know about about you. It's certainly you the were... like biggest in terms of in game things, like yeah. longevity. That's like the biggest thing. Like we're going to be using that thing for years. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me personally is not even really in game. It's really from their side, they had to basically really publicly be like, we were wrong and then start correcting that. And that's the biggest thing for me from this patch. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Well, cool. I mean, I, I, like I said, I think we, we, and running out of time on this podcast, I think is a yeah, common thing for us. But yeah. but this, I think for this patch, like this is for all intents and purposes the ripcord patch. And you know, I think at any way you look at it, any way you want to slice, you can be negative that oh, it took them this long to make these changes, which I think is yeah. just a in general a bad take it, anyway. But for for reference, it did take them a year, almost. Yeah. Like yeah, expansion a- released on like November twenty six, twenty twenty. Um, nine point one point five released on November second, twenty twenty one. Right. So it did take them a while, but I think they got there. And I think it seemed like this was a massive shift in just the overall team mentality. So it was, I think it, it has, it'll have a lasting sort of impact for how they view, like we've talked about Dragonflight and anything um, previous to that too. So um, yeah, yeah, this is, this was a big one. This was a ton of stuff. And I think it, I mean, ultimately was, a uh, was, um, was a good uh was a good change um for for the game so um but to your point the mentality of the team i think was was helpful that and i we didn't really even touch on this but this was also the whole sexual harassment thing that sort of popped up here and just thinking about whether i should bring that up if we had yeah but i mean like real quick just i mean this was sort of that that big the the scandal and that that happened in like july um yeah so it was over the summer raid release uh That was, they had a huge exodus of people during that time as well. Right. Um, some because they were fired for participating and some because they were on the receiving end. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I think even some more too that were like, didn't realize the extent of it or didn't even realize it was occurring and were sort of disgusted maybe by right. like the fact that the leadership allowed it to happen and sort of didn't want to continue. So there was, I, I to be fair, with this patch, like there was also a ton of team shakeup at Blizzard. Right. Um, like this is the rise of, if we think about some of the major developers that you hear today, like Reels and Scars are doing a lot of like the class stuff. Like this is when they started, I think, to come into, I'd say more prominent roles in terms of like class yeah. pieces. And they, they've definitely um, both been like involved in that before, but not as publicly. Yeah. yeah. So this is, yeah. the Yeah. Some, some changes there, but, but no, um, all in all, Ripcord patch, they did pull it finally a year into it. And I think in general it's made, you know, we'll talk about 9.2 next week, but um, I think it's made the game better um, all in all. So um, I don't know if you have any final thoughts, final points. Why the expansion, man? <laughs> With the ups and downs, man, you go from like the opening of Sanctum, those those shards, like even like the, the restrictedness of covenants and then you... Yeah, and you hit this like, patch, and it's like, whew. Yeah, we did LFR for people's. We had a shaman. They did not get their domination set, or like they were missing the specific thing. And so we LFR. You could get, you could buy a crafted item that was higher eye level than what LFR dropped for like nothing. 
So our whole yeah. raid got on male alts, bought the crafted helm, and then went into LFR uh, with them. And we tried to get the helm, and nobody got it. God, that's awful. Very disappointing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was an adventure. Yeah, for sure. God, I can't <sighs> wait to talk about 9.2 next week. I feel like we'll have a lot more positives. So maybe. <laughs> maybe. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that is going to be it for our show today. Thank you all for watching and or listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast and you want to support it and the other work that we do over on the Pika Serenity, uh, you can do that over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash Serenity. And of course, come and join the Discord, which is just the best place to be for uh, learning about all the new Dragonflight stuff. If you want to know about talent builds, you want to know what these nerfs to resident fists mean for your damage, is the talent still worth it? Spoiler, yes. Uh, that's The Discord is just a great place to get that information. But... That is it for the show today. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye!